We're turning to the Word of God. We're turning to the book of Isaiah and chapter 43. Isaiah and chapter 43. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. When I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honourable. And I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up. To the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say, it is truth. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Saviour. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed. When there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles, and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honour me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Amen. We're going to leave the reading just there. We thank the Lord for his word. We pray that we may have an understanding of it. Let's just bow our heads and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, we seek thy help this morning, help to preach and help to hear. Lord, we pray that we might receive thy word 
that it may be laid up in our minds, in our thoughts, in our understanding. We pray, Father, that it might be another building block in our comprehension of the ways of the Lord, that we might be able to stand and not be shaken in faith. And Lord, we pray that we might glorify thee in all of these things, and indeed, as thy word here says, that we might be thy witnesses and to say that it is truth. We pray, our Father, that thou wast continue with us now, and that thou wast minister to us, minister to us these wondrous things, and Lord, that we might be uh, en- enriched and caused to rejoice in the Lord our God. Hear us, we ask, and continue with us, and bless, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take a couple of verses for a text this morning, and they will be from verses 11 to 13. We'll look at other, some other verses from the chapter as well, and other parts of Scripture. But 11 to 13, we read, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Saviour. I have declared and have saved, when I, and I have showed, when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Amen. So I want to consider these, this passage of scripture and to see these words and others as well from this passage, and uh, indeed, as I have said already, uh, passages of the scripture, and to see this declaration which the Lord here makes I even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Saviour. He is the Saviour. The word there for the word Lord, uh, you will see if you're using the authorised version, is in small capitals. That means it's the word Jehovah. And he says, I, even I, am Jehovah, and beside me there is no Saviour. So the Saviour is Jehovah. He also says that there is no God before him, neither will there be any after him. And uh, beside him there is no saviour. So the saviour that we have, who is mentioned over and over in the New Testament, being the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, clearly is Jehovah. He can be no one else, because apart from uh, Jehovah there is no saviour. He is the saviour of our souls. And the Lord uh, comes himself, brings his own salvation with him into our midst to redeem uh, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles also, or at least uh, those who are elect from amongst them. Uh, We know that the Lord has chosen a people for himself, and we will consider that also. So I want to see see here first the salvific declaration. That's a uh, a funny way of putting it. The declaration of salvation, Uh, then the saint's duty, and then the sovereign dominion. Uh, the salvific declaration, uh, which means the declaration of salvation, and the saint's duty and the sovereign dominion. The declaration which the Lord, of course, makes is this declaration that he is the Savior. And it is a personal revelation. It is the words of the Lord. Uh, the Lord is speaking here by uh, the pen of, of, um, of Isaiah to say, I, I, am the Lord. If you have uh, italics in your Bible there, you'll see it says I, and then even I, and then am the Lord. But really, uh, the words here are, are, we we might use this in conversation, in fact, fact, just to make an emphasis. um, I, I will do it. 
And we make that emphasis that it is very clear that you're going to do it yourself. I am going to do it. I will do it. And that double use of that, of the personal pronoun, is what the Lord uses here. I. I am the Lord. And beside me there is no saviour. And so the Lord is making this personal revelation of himself. And he says to us that there is no one else. There is no salvation in the context of Isaiah. It uh, would be taken by the people who listened to Isaiah, uh, first and foremost, that there is no salvation in Egypt, that there is no salvation in the nations round about. There is no salvation in the, uh, in the hands of armies or, or of men. There is no salvation in, uh, in the horse or in the, in the warrior. There is no salvation apart from the Lord. So first and foremost, that would be the first thing which comes to people's minds as the Lord is speaking to them. But as we go deeper into the consideration here, indeed, as we uh, go and look at some of the scriptures from the New Testament, we recognize that God is saying something much deeper than that. And that is concerning the salvation of our souls, that the, uh, that the Lord is the savior of the soul. And so there's this, this kind of um, superficial look at what God says, or which all men might take. And we know that even today, sometimes people will look at the scriptures and they will take certain things from the Bible and they will accept them as being, well, they're, they're true. Other people perhaps have said them or uh, we hear it in, in some writing somewhere else, but we accept that, that, that what it says there it may be true. But it's a superficial thing. They're not looking at their souls. They're not considering their hearts. They're not considering eternal things, but just the, the things of the world. But the deeper meaning here is concerning the salvation of our soul. Indeed, in Hebrews chapter 1, this Lord, this creator, the almighty one, speaks and it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so he speaks to us through Christ. Christ is the word. See, there's something a little more than God just speaking up to us through Christ, but he is speaking as Christ, because Christ is called the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so Jesus Christ himself is this declaration. He is making the declaration, and he is the declaration. I, even I, am the Lord beside me. There is no saviour. And remember those words of the Lord Jesus as he was amongst his people in John eight fifty eight. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Because he is the voice of jehovah he is the lord in the midst of us he is the one who tabernacles in the midst of us and dwells within our hearts but it's not a verbal testimony alone but a personal manifestation of the glory of god i don't know if you've ever noticed sometimes we read the scripture and we see the the, the main tenet which is there or the miracle or the, the parable or what is being said but we don't necessarily notice all the words uh, which are used and that's why preachers uh, never run out of material, because there is always something which we never really considered that before, 
we've looked at it and we've perhaps thought about this part, but we never really considered those particular words. And in John chapter 2 and verse 11, uh, it is the marriage at Cana, and we read that this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee when he turns the water into, the, into wine. And it goes on and says, and manifested forth his glory, manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. He manifested forth his glory. And the Lord here is manifesting forth his glory. I am the Lord. There is none else. I am the Lord. There is no other savior but before me. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. At the end of verse 10. A personal revelation. But the personal revelation goes a little further. And I've said this before as we've looked into Isaiah on previous occasions. That the people who are actually hearing what God is saying are those who are listening for what God is saying. Are those who have their ears open. Remember how Jesus preaches to the multitudes. And when he preached to the multitudes, sometimes he would say, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Some people were there. Uh, they took certain things. Some people weren't listening. Particularly, they were just there because there was a crowd. But there were some people who were hanging upon the words of Jesus Christ. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And they were interested in what he had to say. And there were those whom the Lord had touched in their hearts uh, who would follow him. Uh, they were his sheep who heard his voice. So particularly in Isaiah, those who are really getting hold of what Isaiah is saying are the elect of God. They're the ones who are actually hearing God's voice. Others are rejecting him because we know that even, even as the Lord uh, gave promises and gave um, uh, instructions to his people, per, uh, as we see at the beginning, even as uh, we find the rejection of God's word, uh, in, if you turn back just to uh, chapter 7 for a moment of Isaiah, uh, in chapter 7, that's Solomon, that's no good. Now, the Lord speaks in verse 10 to Ahaz and says, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depths or in the height above. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. And so here Ahaz, he hears what God says. He answers what God says. But he is so perverse that he's not even willing to, to enter into this communion with God. And of course, that is the world. Where they may hear what God says, but they, they don't really get what God says, and they're not really interested in what God says. When God speaks and gives the promises concerning the Messiah in Isaiah, he is speaking to his people. He is encouraging his people, because they're the ones who actually hear him. And the Lord, of course, knows who hears his voice. He knows them as they follow him. So we have this personal revelation, a personal revelation from God and a personal revelation to his people, those who are the chosen of God. Secondly, we see that he is a powerful redeemer. In verse 3 of this chapter, Isaiah 43, verse 3, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Saviour. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. 
This powerful redeemer was able to bring a people right out from under the nose of Pharaoh to destroy the nation of Israel, or at least to set it back uh, by a long way, and to bring his people out and to bring them through the sea that they should come into the promised land. He was able to redeem Israel from Egypt. And here in verse 14, in chapter 43, verse verse 14, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. So he's able to cast down the Chaldeans. He is able to deliver from Egypt. He is able to cast down the enemies of his people. And he is able to do these things because he is this powerful Redeemer. He is able to save and redeem from all sin. He is able to save from all situations. He is able to deliver us. And we uh, certainly need to recognize the power that is in him that we might uh, take by faith those things for ourselves and receive them at his hand. When we come to the New Testament, we find Jesus Christ, who is, of course, the Savior. In 2 Timothy 1, uh, if you want to turn it up, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, we read, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And particularly this verse, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So here in, in Isaiah 43, the Lord says, I've delivered you from Egypt, I'm delivering you from the Chaldeans and from Babylon But when we come to the New Testament, here we find the Savior, and there is no other Savior but Jehovah. Here we find the Savior, Jesus Christ. He he hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Here is our deliverer, a greater deliverer, but not a greater deliverer in some ways because he delivered his own people from Israel in that day also jeremiah and isaiah and uh, ezekiel and the uh, prophets of the time uh, um, those uh, prophets micah for instance as well uh, they were delivered the lord was saving their souls not just delivering them from the chaldeans not just delivering them from the captivity indeed we know that jeremiah went into the captivity ezekiel actually prophesied from the captivity We know that Daniel was there in the captivity. The captivity of this world was not an issue to them, but they had been delivered from the greater captivity. They had been delivered from their sin. They had been delivered from death and destruction. They had been brought, uh, life and immortality had been brought to light through the good news that their saviour was the Lord. He is a powerful redeemer. And we know that God is able to deliver physically, And I think that in the New Testament, there are situations which appear to say that the Lord delivered people physically, but not spiritually. Think of the ten lepers and how only one of them returned to give thanks. And presumably, all ten lepers were still healed. They all went to the priests and they they had their uh, release papers given to them, uh, for instance. 
but one Jesus speaks to particularly. And that man was a man who was delivered and saved. Being saved from the things of this world so often seems to be the be-all and end-all of the purposes of people going to church or, or, or trusting in Christ. Now what they want is a, is a better life in this world. What they want is more money, more help, more deliverances, more things which will make their lives easier in this world. And that is not what God promises. God does not promise us an easy life. Indeed, he says he, he, he came to bring a sword. And the sword is not our sword to fight against others. The sword is against us because the world is against God. And yet here we have a powerful redeemer. The Lord is able to deliver and deliver some which perhaps never actually know salvation for their souls. And then we see this as a praiseworthy reconciliation. The Lord calls us. It tells us there in verse 7 of this 43rd chapter of Isaiah. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. I have created him for my glory. We are to glorify God. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, we saw for the praise of his glory. And uh, we are to glorify God. Remember the Lord Jesus uh, as he prays before the Father in that great high priestly prayer. Uh, and he speaks about glorifying the name of the Father. And how the Father also speaks of the Son and says, I have glorified thy name. Uh, we see this glorying then. And we are to glorify God. He has created us for his glory. We compare that verse even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Compare that verse with Ephesians 2 and chapter 10. We read, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I have created him for my glory, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see, the works that we do, the good works that we do, glorify God. They don't get us to heaven. We're not saved by our works, but our works glorify God. And he has created us to glorify him, to exalt him before the world, that we might have a testimony that the Lord has redeemed us, and that he might have a testimony before the world that he is the Lord, and beside him there is no saviour. Again, in verse 25 here, uh, we read these words, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. Compare again, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, 
the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It is pleasing to God to save us. And according to his own sake, for his own sake, he blots out our transgressions and will not remember our sins. This is a praiseworthy reconciliation that God should save us from our sins, deliver us, that our sins should be no longer remembered, that we should be accounted worthy and righteous in the sight of God, that we should have a a title to heaven (coughs) because God has been gracious unto us and that the Lord has done so that we might glorify his name that we might do those good works, do good. We know that the Lord Jesus, it is spoken of him, that he went about doing good. That's what we're called to do. The works are to glorify him. And we are to give testimony to him. So this is the saint's duty then, as our second point. Our duty is to proclaim our redemption. In verse 10, And we were looking at verse um, uh, 11 to 13. But immediately before in verse 10, we read this. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And again in verse 12, the last line of verse 12. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. So the duty of the saint, our duty, that which is required of us, that for which we were created, that which we are as the workmanship of God, are those who are to glorify his name and witness to him. So verse 10, just reading the whole of the verse there. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Ye are my witnesses. And we are his witnesses. We are they who are to go forth into the world and proclaim the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The redemption which the Lord has given to us for his own sake. Again, going back to Ephesians, and perhaps this chapter was in in Paul's mind even as he was writing. No doubt he had much scripture in his mind as he wrote. And we see allusions as well as actual quotations and free quotations sometimes uh, where he remembers the words, but he doesn't uh, actually quote them or take them directly from uh, a, a version of the scriptures. In Ephesians 1 and verse 12, it says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We should be to the praise of his glory. That is what the Lord has called us for. And we think about all the things that may be done in this world. And the preaching of the gospel and so on. And some are preachers of the gospel. But we all can do everything to the praise of his glory. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians. Or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Remember his glory and praise him. Because that is why he has called us. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. 
until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints. So the apostle prays for them. He, he, he seeks that they might know the Lord, that they might know more of the Lord, that they might say more to the praise of his glory. And then again in verse, uh, verse 12 here in Isaiah 43, I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. These are words worthy of consideration also, when there was no strange God among you. Then our duty is to proclaim our redemption, that we are saved by the grace of God, and to promote our Redeemer. That is, as a promoter, as someone who goes forth and says, but who you need is Jesus Christ. He is the deliverer. He is the savior. Beside him, there is no savior. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. And Jesus Christ is that name. He is our savior. And we are to promote him. Again in verse 7, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him everyone that is called by my name. Are we called by the name of Christ? We read in the book of Revelation that those who are the Lord's people will have the name of the Father in our foreheads. We are the Lord's people. We are called by his name. We have uh, his name upon us. So Jew or Gentile, there is only one church, Jew or Gentile, we have, if we are Christ's, If we are saved, we have the name of God upon us. And those who are called by his name, we have been created for his glory. And we are to glorify him, to promote him who has redeemed us, and to preach out repentance. The whole point here is concerning the whole point of of Isaiah, as he writes, is, is that they need a repentance. They need to turn back from their ways. And going back to that verse again in, in verse 12, Uh, When there was no strange God among you, uh, what strange gods they had among them. They they seemed to be worshipping strange gods up in every high hill and under every uh, every, uh, grove and tree. But when there were no strange gods among them, the Lord showed his mighty power. Finally then, the sovereign dominion. Our security is stated here. It says in Isaiah 43 and verse 13, Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? The word let is a word which means or meant uh, to hinder we still use it, in fact, uh, in that sense. In the, you may have heard the term without let or hindrance. Without let or hindrance. So it, it is uh, a, a word of restriction. Who shall let it? Uh, who is able to say, well, I will let you do this? 
And the person who is, has that power to say, I will let you do this, has the power also to restrict you from doing it. But what the Lord is saying here is, there is no one who gives me permission. Uh, who, who is it that gives me permission? There is none that can deliver out of my hand. And the words there are, uh, or to turn it back. There is none who can turn it back. I will work and who will turn it back. But we can think of those words again from the New Testament. In John's Gospel, in chapter 10 and verse 28, where Jesus says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And that word deliver in the Hebrew can be translated pluck, none that can pluck them out of my hand. And here we have it, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now just to uh, clarify something here, the Jehovah's Witnesses use these verses, and they use them to say, well, the Father is greater than Christ, therefore Christ and the Father are not one, the Christ is not God, the Father is God, and Christ is, is a created being. But what Jesus is actually saying here is concerning the Father which gave them me. That is that we are, we are the Lord's from before the foundation of the world. When we're in the hands of Christ, being redeemed, none can pluck us out of his hand. The Father who gave them me is the one who, from the foundation of the world, has known and has loved us, and there's none that can pluck us out of his hand. So we are his until we come to Christ. When we come to Christ, we are Christ's. None can pluck us out of Christ's hand or the Father's hand. There is none who is able to hinder the work of God. Our security is stated here then. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. There is none that can pluck out of my hand. I will work and who shall hinder it? Who shall let it? The Lord is our deliverer. There's sovereign dominion over all of his purposes that none is able to resist. We see our Saviour's strength also in these words. Who shall let it? Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it the strength of the saviour is almighty it is he is the one who created the day as we read in genesis chapter one the evening and the morning were the first day before the day was he was there before the day was before there was a day he was there he is the one who holds all things in his hands he up holdeth all things by the word of his power and those words are written of christ in first in colossians chapter one written of christ he upholdeth all things by the word of his power and this this creator of all things this redeemer beside whom there is no savior his strength is that none can deliver from his hand this is our uh, security this is the savior's strength Therefore, we may know the satisfying service of serving a God who is 
are undefeatable and indefatigable. He doesn't grow tired. He can't be defeated. He cannot be overthrown. And in the day of the Lord, all will stand before him. And he it is that we serve because he has created us that we might glorify him. Let's do so. And let's rejoice in him and enjoy him. The first catechism is what is the man's chief end? The, uh, no, the, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Enjoy him. We should enjoy being on the Savior's side, being at the Savior's side, being under the Savior's wing, being protected by him, having a salvation which is unbreakable, having a safety from which we cannot be plucked. And let's speak for the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, to the glory of his name and to the blessedness of our own souls. And may the Lord bless his word to us this morning.